Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of Relating to DevSecOps, where we explore the development, security, and operational issues of today so that we can share and hopefully help you solve real-world problems with people that face them. I'm Ken Toller, and I'm joined again by Simon Dolo, and we're continuing to chat through the topic of microservices. If you enjoy what you hear, please rate us and give us feedback. We've enjoyed hearing from you so far, and we look forward to a bunch more um, we're having a good time with this, and I think that we are back in the groove uh, with our regularly scheduled programming. Back uh, today, in yeah, that's right, man. Back in it. Today, Simon and I have decided that our imaginary R2DSO monolithic legacy app is moving into microservices, and we don't know where to start or what that means. So we're kicking it off. Um, Simon, you know, we talked about a lot of isolation and why we might decide to go this route with a larger application or trying to modernize our workflow or whatever in the last episode. But once an organization decides to do this and needs to prioritize some of those action items, you know, what are your thoughts? What are some of the things that go through your head as an engineer, the oh crap moments um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that first run through your head when, when, when we're saying, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to you know, refactor and re-engineer our application um, into microservices type styles. Maybe we're thinking about containers or whatever. What are some of the things that go through your head? Yeah, I mean, once you're past that point, you've ripped the Band-Aid, uh, you're starting to have, you know, microservices start to get built. Um, at least for me, the first thing I'd think of is just, what does your inbound request look like? What does your outbound request look like? I think the whole point of microservices, we've talked about this, is, is, is isolation and having you know quick deploy. So if I'm going to focus on my set of applications, ABC, um, what do I expect coming in and what should I be persisting going out? And so obviously request body and 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 you know all of that stuff is good, but you know more specifically, you know what sort of headers are you passing in? Um, if you're already you know way ahead of the curve and you're talking about authorization, what sort of things are you doing there? Um, and just making sure that uh, whatever you're doing is aligned with the rest of the microservices that you're building. Got it. Yeah, I mean, so do you think about turning some of those methods or functions or classes into entire microservices and what that looks like? Is that what you sort of mean about like what headers you're passing in and things? Uh, not necessarily methods, I would say, but you know, I I think what you're talking about is is once you're at a point where you understand kind of general themes of what you want to build and isolating things to to a specific service or purpose. Um, you know, you're now talking about uh, you know, you've got this level of entry point. Which is you know probably a front end or something, maybe a mobile app. You've got your your orchestration layer, which is this semi microservices you know middle layer. We're doing our best. We're trying to going to stay minimal, um, accepting some sort of request, and you're entering you know entering that microservice universe, and then. What are you doing with that? Who do you have to call in terms of other services? What do I need to aggregate? Um, you know what sort of operations am I going to be performing um, and, and kind of bundling that up. So it's just really good to have an understanding of, uh, you know, what response bodies are you persisting? What headers are you persisting? What sort of, um, you know, data is flowing across the wire between services? And ultimately, you know, what is that end goal? Once, you know, everything's bubbled up from all of the microservices that you seemingly don't have to care about anymore, what's that end state? And what are you passing back up to your chain of the line? Got it. Yeah, no, I mean, when I talk about methods, right, we we had sort of dug into a little bit the um, the crud, like you you 
dug it into crud, right? Like maybe we have something mm-hmm. that's just a, um, you know, a create operation or a read operation for a particular object. Whereas like in the monolithic app, you know, we were doing this, um, it, you know, within, within the code itself. And now we're making this external call to a service. So rather than say, call a method or calling an API, that's, that's sort of what I was getting at. Right. So, um, is that, are you, you know, when you're breaking that up, is it like, okay, I'm going to take all these classes and I'm going to look at, you know, what makes sense to turn into a microservice? Do you look at it that way or is your approach different? Yeah. Um, it, it ultimately boils down to what should you have control over and what you should you have access to, um, you know, limit the expertise and the functionality of, of what you're creating, updating, deleting um, to a minimum, keep it concise, keep it small, um, and and pass that along to, you know, the service that's requesting it and, and try to keep that uh, business logic to something like an orchestration layer. So when you're talking about a method, yeah, just it ultimately goes down to keep it small, keep it concise, one sentence elevator pitch of what your service is doing and take it from there. Um but yeah, I'm I'm very curious, you know, when you have all of these wonderful product engineers building 500,000 microservices, um, what what is the first thing that you think of or the first thing that you're horrified to think of? Oh man, for me it's like it's like how do we how do we control communication between these things, right? I mean, like the the major piece for me is we now have to think of how these applications not only talk to each other, but whether or not they should have access to these things. Because really what you do is you're you're opening up the potential footprint of each of these classes and methods that you're talking about, like the the CRUD operations that you're right. saying, right? Where you were normally taking that down to like only certain classes or calling these things. Now you have to think of, well, potentially anyone that has access to this API can do these, these granular subcomponents of an application. So maybe it was like a method to create an administrative user, or maybe it was to gain access to sensitive information. Now those operations that I could be like, Oh, you know, through the code, I can see that only this thing is calling this other thing. Now it's anyone can call this thing. So how do I authorize these applications to each other? How do I authenticate them to each other? How do I control communication between application A and application B? And the further you sub- the subdivide that, it becomes more and more complex um, to do it. So I, I always say that when you're talking about microservices or thinking about containers or Kubernetes or orchestration or whatever your favorite word is around this topic area, I would say focus on the um the entrance point right like what is the public access to this big um constellation of apps and then um how do you control authentication and access control or authorization between those applications um moving forward and that is uh that's a that's 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 my stop my first stop it's sort of like, you know, when you talk about cloud, they say that I, you know, I am identity access management is your, is your new firewall or your new first line of defense in cloud. Right. Yeah. Like for me in, in microservices and in containers that, that first line of defense is your, your initial gateway and 
the authentication and access control between applications. Yeah, and that's I mean that's ultimately where I came from too. Like I've I've had to deal with you know if we want to go into OAuth like implementation, I've had to deal with that and deal with it from a very like very simple baseline. And yeah, I, I think of okay, I have my application and I am going to assume that it's been authenticated from something else. Like there's a firewall or something else. I'm gonna get my authentication into the next like line of defense, and that's all I care about. And that 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 is such a, a a nested layer of mess because you know you you could have you know horizontal calling between applications. You can have a bunch of applications that you didn't know were called. Maybe certain methods. You know you mentioned like user creation and stuff that's really sensitive. Um, you know it's 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 it opens up such a huge world of things that. I mean, it's great for microservices, but you really have to be careful and you really have to understand uh, what what you mean when you're saying, hey, I'm I'm authenticating this application. Yeah. And you have to know the difference, right? Because um, one of the interesting things, like we talked about um, like cer certificate-based authentication where you have this, right? right? Um, and depending on how you implement that, you know, I've seen a ton of clients. I've worked in a bunch of areas where there is no authentication or authorization between applications. It's like once you get past the front door, it's a complete open network between these apps that you make a call. It's public. You can do whatever you want on these applications. It's just you just have to know where the API is and that the um, there's like this misconception of defense in depth where you think that as long as we control that front entry point from end users, there's nothing we have to worry about. But if anyone ever has access to the network that your microservices sit on, whether that's in your orchestration layer or not, uh, they can access any of these applications within that constellation. And that's a super scary thing because now you have access to these really granular operations that were never exposed before, which I find super interesting. It's like a brand new... Well, not not brand new now, but it was a brand new attack surface <laughs> at the time, and uh, and yeah, I mean, there's still folks don't really think about that stuff. You know, creating users as an example. You know, you have a, a user API or a user microservice that its sole job is to create and manage users, and you don't have any authorization to that. Someone on that network, that VPC, that isolated layer can make arbitrary requests to do these things. And that's a that's an interesting vector, right? And I've I've made all of those mistakes. Um, you know, I yeah, I mean I I've I can tell you I was given a uh, an OAuth based API to work with. Um, documentation was okay. Um, I didn't really know a lot of the terminology I do now, but you know, I heard, you know, something like token. Okay, cool. Like that's some just random garbage text ID that represents something about that authentication. That's great. Um, I have a client idea and a secret. Awesome. Um, that's just like a user and password. I'm going to use it like that because that's what I know. Um, and basically started just hammering away at applications. And uh, yeah, it, it was a mess. I mean, even the first time I got any form of auth going, you know, I made my first request. I passed my client ID and my secret to this auth server and it said, you know, granted access token. It's like, oh, this is great. I'm now authenticated into this application and I can call it. And I called it and it didn't work. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I just I just requested my client ID in secret. Isn't that what you wanted me to do? And you know I kind of had to teach myself. And, and granted, 
you know, I don't think I implemented it the best way. I think there was a lot of stuff that I went around. I definitely didn't think about stuff like method-based ac- like access or, uh, you know, uh, scope-based access, so it's like scope-based access where you're talking about, like, what is it you're trying to do? Just, like, let me get into this application, do my thing, and get out. Um, but, uh, like, for the product engineering side, it really let me, uh, you know, firsthand understand, like, why these services matter and why these services exist, um, where, you know, now today I actually use some out of the box stuff like uh, Auth0 where it's a lot less kind of programming intensive and I can just see like I understand what this does now I understand that I shouldn't be using a client ID and password in that way I understand the meaning of a token Um, but without that like that context I definitely took for granted and it, it was having that conversation from a programming perspective and bringing it to security engineers that helped me get there because there is no way without an awesome security team would I have understood any of this stuff. Yeah, man. And, and I, you mentioned dot zero, like I know that, you know, I was a fanboy of them for a while. <laughs> I, you know, we worked on, on that together. Um, there was a, they have great documentation explain like unpacking things like OAuth. Um, and it, it helps to understand the different um, credential types and how to use it because um, I've, I've seen like initial implementations. You, you mentioned like the client ID and secret, but there are areas where folks will just use a username and password essentially to create um, some semblance of authorization or authentication to a uh, client application. So when these two applications are talking to each other, it's just maybe basic auth, right? Where they're sending the, you know, sending this bearer token of basic auth with the username and password, basic C4 right. encoded. And the receiving application is like, yeah, this is the right, the right other entity. And and that's honestly better than nothing. Um, in the same way that basic auth is, <laughs> auth is better than nothing on the internet, but there are better ways right. to do it. And OAuth provides us with that because it provides us with some separation and scopes and things of that nature to further and more granularly control the authorization aspect of it. And so, you know, the things you're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm sending, I'm just, I, I think that we do this a lot in security. Just send me these things. I'll give you this thing. And then everything will work magically on the back end. And if we don't, fundamentally understand what we're doing uh with with each other then it it can become this mess of like misimplemented technologies like oauth which can happen especially if you're rolling your own services like auth0 or i don't know what are the other ones out there okta or whatever they 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 make entire products out of making this easier for organizations and i love it i absolutely love it because honestly what we want to do in like the devsecops world and the security world is to make it easy to do security well and so if we can do that if we can document it well i mean i love i love that i love that there's competition in the like authorization space of all places for app to app stuff and using a particular technology. So, I I mean, it's super cool. Um, you, you mentioned that that was like a, um, no trouble understanding it, like over your career, as, as things have progressed, you know, have you, do you, have you seen areas that do this well? Like, have you, have you grown in that area? You were like, okay, I got it. You know, I'm, 
I know where the mistakes are. I know what to look out for. You know, have you seen a better implementations of this throughout or, you know, where do you stand today? Um, I, I think I, I, because of the experience of having to troubleshoot myself and force myself to understand the underlying, I've, I, I know like where to spot the red flags. Um, you know, taking this back to microservice architecture, the, the whole problem is it, it, the whole purpose is eliminating that, that need for trust. It's eliminating that, um, that worry, that, that zero trust that all the other microservices are out to get you. You know, we all, we all behave the same. Um, if I get access, that's great. Um, and, and, and I've seen, you know, mention, you mentioned on zero, like their documentation is great. And I think that's, that's the key here is understanding, um, from a product engineer. Again, you said, you give me this thing, I'll put it in my thing. If it works, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. move on. I don't care. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost zero to one, right? I don't have access. Now I have access. I must be safe. And it's, it's diving deeper than that. And where the documentation for me is really useful is great. You have baseline access. You've hit an application. Okay. Let's take it to the next level. How do you want to authenticate this method? How do you want to authenticate this? Well, this is the right way to do that. Um, Granted, I know to look there now because I made my own mistakes. I didn't know what a scope was really. When you're talking about, you know, an authentication token, I was just dealing with uh, an endpoint, you know, just a JSON endpoint with a token information. I see, you know, something about access, something about refresh, something about scope. Okay, um, I'll throw whatever this means across to the other endpoint. If it works, it's great. But uh Knowing that that's not good enough, knowing that there's there's more to that, there's a reason why all these things are so verbose and complicated, um, is something that I've seen better. Again, I, I think it's great that we have companies that that automate this. My my one concern, and this goes with every technology, is the more you automate it, the less you're going to understand what's happening under underneath. And so when you're talking about uh, security concepts, you, you really need to know why you're putting these things in the right place. Stuff like, hey, let me automate logging for you in a way that's really easy to track or, you know, easy way to trace your apps. Like, yes, it's probably useful for me to know more about that, but it's not going to, you know, impact the day-to-day of the security team. Not necessarily. With this, you know, if, if this is on the hands of a product engineer, I could very easy, very easily pretend that, I understand. And I say, hey, like, yeah, we've definitely scoped out this endpoint that does some very, very, very scary things to this user. I may not know if I did that correctly. So yeah. like I, I I think for me, like retrospect, where I've learned is knowing to like ask those questions and make sure that I'm doing it the right way. Cool. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the most important thing is don't be afraid to ask questions to your security team and security folks, don't be afraid to ask questions to your engineering team. So, I mean, taking it a bit further, right, and and maybe giving folks a a bit of meat to chew on in how this all works. A lot of what we're talking about revolves around uh, OAuth. And so you can go and read the documentation, the white papers, the Auth0, the Okta documentation, all the help articles. Um, But fundamentally, it's like when you talk about um, a client, to an API server, to a particular, um, you know, user storage, what you're usually talking about in that sort of scenario is there's an API request that includes a username and password. Mm. And then the API server takes that username and password either through maybe it's basic auth or some other method. And they have to repeat that message to the user storage to validate it. And they say, okay, you know, they, they basically proxy that request 
And then the user storage is like, okay, yes, here's that's the right password. And then they send a, a return and it handles the request and there's a response back to the client. So the problem with that is that the username and the password are being carried through the API server repeated to the user storage on another network request. And then that happens on every single request. Or maybe that's the session token and that happens on every single request. So the API server has to retain the user's information, right? Or something along those lines. Now in OAuth, the way that this works is the client has a um, client ID and a client secret, and they make a request directly to the authorization server, which provides them with this access token, which Simon's been talking about. And now every request that they make only includes this access token and the resource server or the you know, the, the main application that's doing all the fun stuff is just validating this access token and returning the responses. And they can have this conversation without ever sharing the client ID and secret, which you could reduce down to maybe a username and password um, over and over again. They just have to make that request once. And then there's methods like refresh tokens. If you want to go and research that outside of this 30 minute episode <laughs> that allow you to keep that access token going, but ultimately it should expire. And the next time that that client requests another access token, it should be new and they should be able to carry on another conversation and then it should expire. And so it eliminates the amount of touches on the network that this, um, these, these secret values need to be retained um, over, over time. And so this is a really good way to have applications authorize and authenticate to each other because it means that they just have to speak in this this token type of language as opposed to constantly be be uh sending their secret information back and forth to each other over across like 30 different applications and the beauty of it to me is that you know i can have an access token with app a and app b and i can have a separate app application token with app a and app c so it's like i can maintain these different relationships between applications so that if there's a particular function that's not called very often it doesn't have the same credentials essentially as this other you know maybe more used application read you know like the read of your of your crud and there's like so much that you can break out on this with scopes and and whatnot about how you interact with these applications and it's fascinating but these are things that you have to think of is you, you really need to think of these applications as as users almost, right? Like what do they, what should they have access to? You know, does this application need access to all this information? And so as you break apart your application architecture into these microservices, you really need to think about what they should have access to and treat them as um, entities, users, things that have access to other things, what is appropriate and what's not. Do you, have you had a lot of conversations with product engineers about this? Um, in terms of treating, maybe looking at the client ID and, and password as an example, uh, breaking that down and explaining like we should we should limit sending this over the wire or here's a good way to do this. Like how how do those conversations start? Because I I think it's again one of those unknowns where like I think I get what I'm doing, but until I tell you, like you're gonna tell me I'm completely wrong. You know the the conversations that I usually have are retroactive. Right there. Right. Naturally, the, the, <laughs> the movement to microservices has already happened. Like our, 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 our two DSO app that we're just breaking apart and, and everyone's talking about, 
um, you know, for our coffee shop or whatever we're, we're building together <laughs> is, is a great example of let's have this conversation early. And so if you are at a point where you're like thinking about microservices and you're a security engineer, this is a good time to be like, Hey, you know, we have to think about this in a different way. But most of the time it's things have been working for a while and it's a vulnerability that these things are happening. And anything that we introduce from a security perspective is engineering time. And it's a, it's a hindrance to, you know, the next feature. And so, you know, that sort of brings me to my next point is like services like auth zero or Okta or, um, you know, these, these SAS providers, while it might be more secure to roll my own in these cases, they provide a fast method to get there. Um, and th this is not sponsored by any of these folks, by, by the way. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have my own opinions on each of these providers, but it's just I enjoy that there's competition in that space because it means that I can provide essentially a larger team to engineers to help support something that is very important to me on the security side. If you have a huge security team that can build this stuff, it's probably better to focus on the what what makes sense for your organization from an authentication authorization standpoint. But they really need to understand how this stuff works, what the standard looks like. And so having that support and people dedicated to doing that is really helpful. Um, it's just, you know, there's challenges with SaaS offerings, especially on something as critical as this. But, you know, to, answer, to go back to your question, get off my tangent, the conversations are usually like, this is going to slow us down. Um, and I say, I know, but it's important not to open it up. And I, I try to demonstrate how this, you know, how this might affect their overall, you know, application over time if they uh, don't repair it now. Because ultimately, if you don't, if you don't get it early, eventually it's going to bite you right? As you get to 30 applications, 40 applications, 50 applications, and you have to figure out a way for them to talk to each other, it becomes, it's an exponential increase in effort, in my opinion, the later and later you wait to deploy it. Yeah. And that's the biggest takeaway that I have on my side is, you know, if you are going to preach that microservices are easy to build and fast to deploy, um, the biggest learning I have is if you see um, a security initiative, like whether it be, you know, app to app authentication or, you know, another one that comes to mind that was kind of saying can of worms is just secret management, uh, volunteer, volunteer, you know, your, your most well-behaved application and be part of that. You'll, you'll be able to provide your input as a product engineer as to like how this is going to affect your app, because ultimately you're going to have opinions. You're going to be like, oh man, I've got like this application. This is going to like be horrible. Um, you know, you have more control and you can have control over the implementation and ultimately it'll teach you about something that like is super useful. And, and that, and that was the biggest takeaway for me. I, I volunteered, I forced myself to integrate myself with this endpoint and, you know, thanks to some great conversations with security, I, I understood it, it was implemented and like I was part of that process and it got through the door and it became yeah. one of those first class citizen projects. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough hurdle to get over because it's not the sexiest thing in the world to like focus on how applications communicate with each other. And there's a lot of like, documentation on roles and like what applications should do. Yeah. But I, but I think that that sort of goes into the conversation you were talking about is like, should we really separate, you know, X from Y? 
you know, or are we ready to do that? Because do we do we really have an under like if you don't have an understanding of whether that something should have access to something else, you know, should you be splitting them up in the first place? So I, I think it's if you have this conversation early, it can be a really good indicator of scope. Like if you have a really good idea of how two things interact, you're like, you know, this is ready to split apart because we can isolate it, iterate faster. But if you're like, we don't really know, um, like what this, you know, <laughs> let's what, just do it. You know, we don't, then really you don't have a good, you don't really have a good requirement set for the service itself. Right. Um, and so it can be really telling to say, you know, maybe we're not ready to move that one. Um, and it help you prioritize. Yeah. Really, it, I, I think it forces you to uh, rewrite or maybe rephrase some of your documentation a light that you didn't think about. Yeah, exactly. Early phase, early phases, man. You gotta, you gotta have those conversations. Yeah, man. I mean, we talk about pulling things left and talking about requirements and everything, um, and security not being involved in those conversations and stuff. But it's like I think that. You know, if you want to get something across the door, one thing you can, one thing that you can do is really well, like really define it well. Like if you know exactly what you want your service to do and how you want it to interact with their services and, and all that, like it's a great candidate for something like this because it can be well-maintained and iterate fast. But if it's sort of this like shotgun type of project, then, you know, and you can't define this stuff, you know, security folks like this this is like a first layer you know if, if you can't get a good answer on how, what should authenticate how it should authenticate you know what roles it should have um you know that's a really good filter for security but it's also a really good sort of um i don't know like level setting item for engineering you know a, a way to isolate a way to break things down into smaller parts is to like, what can I define? And within that, like, okay, that can be a mic my microservice because I can define it as a role or as a particular entity. Yeah. Agree, disagree. I completely agree. And, and just to go to the selfish side, it'll ultimately make my life easier. If I understand, you know, what scope really means in terms of a service, when service B comes along, I will have my own work done. I will know what I need to talk with security about. I can tell them, hey, check out this endpoint. This is the one that you should be worried about. It's accessing all of these things. And, you know, I have my homework done. I'll be building faster. Security will be happier and, and we'll have less problems down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, no, I agree. I What I do want to sort of um, go back on is uh, a thing that occurred to me is uh, just a lesson learned from, from my side is if you start breaking the protocol to make your things work, that is also an indicator that your microservices aren't ready. So if you are say oh, maybe man. having a permanent access token, which I've seen, you know, it's like the client ID and client secret is requested one time in the year and that access token never expires. Like not refreshing tokens. Yeah, that's just a that's just a session token that never expires, and that's a problem. <laughs> it's hard coded. You know, it like <laughs> it's the it's a bundled username and password that is super secret. And if you're at that point, you're probably not you're not you're probably not using the, you're probably not protecting that correctly either. <laughs> you know, the more aggressive you can get with the rotations, the better. But I've seen that too, right? Where it's like, okay, we implemented it, okay. 
how what's the ses- session ex- expiration? Oh, you know, like 720 days, you know. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that in, in your history or not, but I yeah. have. Yes, that's that's the biggest like that's the biggest fault of microservices. It's 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 almost like you undo yourself and then you just slowly rebuild. So you have instead of one monolith, you've got 27 monoliths that are now supposed to be very small and concise. And yeah, you know, ultimately, I, I mentioned before, you know, small request orchestration layer, some sort of CRUD services that bubbles up. But that typically, for these reasons, either I don't want to mess with auth because it's too annoying, or, you know, I somehow managed to get a token that basically just has God mode access to everything so I can pass it, whatever. And you start to see that horizontal line of other services being called. And, oh, I thought you only hit C and D. No, there's the other two things. Like, there's a last minute product requirement. We needed to get some user's data. It's got, like, bank info. No big deal. It's fine. We'll just pass it on the wire. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. And it just gets worse and worse. And it gets faster and faster because you have microservices so um you know like one thing that that is important to to note there is and i i know we're talking about auditing and and you know talking about these earliest really knowing your request and tracing your request where is your request going are you sure can you prove that whether it be your logs or a you know a distributed tracing system like can you prove it to your security team that you know where this is going and if if you don't that's that's the same red flag is is the you know the, the audit is not is not what you thought it was. Yeah, man. Maybe we could dive into that. Um, we're, we're coming up on time here, but maybe we could dive into that in the next episode is like how how what is a good way for me to um, figure that stuff out, right? Spread out like um, now that I've spread out my microservices, maybe I don't understand like how do I trace requests? How do I make sure that I'm covering all my bases? Um, or understanding like what this new web of applications looks like. Uh, it's super interesting. It sort of calls back to our application inventory discussion about oh, yeah. know, how do we know what the upstream and downstream dependencies are. I think that'd be really interesting to, to dig into uh, maybe in the next next one. Uh, but if, you know, lessons learned on, on this one, uh, takeaways from, from me are, you know what? Uh, definitely first layer of defense. I don't know if this is a takeaway or just like a ber- berating you on like <laughs> just uh, screaming uh, into the yeah. mic. It's just focus. <laughs> first line of security is you know focus on that app to app auth. Um, how these focusing on how these applications are going to interact with each other and what you're going to do to protect that. Um, for me, the authorization and the authentication between these applications is your first line of defense and something that's very often missed. So that that's mine. Anything from you? Yeah, it just all goes back to understanding what you understand, what you're doing. Uh, you know, yes, app to app is a great like first step. And I, I think that's, you know, that's a, especially for a product engineer, if you're going to go out your way to do that, like good on you. That's awesome. Um, Make sure you understand what you're doing. Don't be afraid to ask security. Um, ask for the next steps. Ask where we can be better. Um, the more you ask, the more you'll be in control, and the easier it'll be is to like to manage between your apps and and share with other teams and just empower them. Um, and believe me, once you get to like that finish line, it's so cool and it's so much fun. Um, you'll actually start loving security a little bit. It'll be great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, love security. And you know, I will echo your statement: is don't be afraid to talk to your engineers. I think that. 
security yeah. can have a tendency to go into a hole and develop these things in a silo and pick a tool or pick a method, talk to engineers, figure out what they're doing, how they want to interact with applications. We talked a lot about OAuth. Maybe that's not what's best for you. You know, it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. It solves a lot of use cases, but it might not be the best one for you to talk to the engineers, make sure that they're going to even bite on it, you know, because as we keep saying on this podcast is your biggest measure of success in any security initiative is going to be adoption from your engineers, from your operations team, from your product teams. The more people you can get to buy into what you want to do, the more success you're going to have. If you are sort of going too hard into the paint with one <laughs> one particular security thing it might be the best security solution out there and uh you know it's, you might not have success with it it could be like the creme de la creme gartner quadrant top right hand corner whatever you know however you measure your stuff <laughs> um and it's gonna and, and, it, and it can fail based on adoption yeah if so, nobody wants to use it it's yeah. not gonna go anywhere yeah so talk to your people um, we are right over uh, our 30 minute mark. Um, Simon, any, any final words of wisdom from your end? I, I think we just about covered it. Uh, if we do pick up something about tracing, I think there's a lot of cool tools out there. Um, I, I, I don't think it's something that maybe security like is into all that much or knows that it's available. So it could be a cool topic, but yeah. Um, uh, just app to app auth is 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 necessary. It's a lot less painful than you think, and and it's it's worth looking into if you're a product engineer. Cool. Yeah. No. I'm I'm all, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I uh, I love talking about that stuff. I, I'm interested in the tracing conversation, so I think we can put that on there uh, for the the like continuation of this episode. I know we're probably going to. Um, uh, Miss Simon for the next recording session. So we have some guests lined up. We've got um, uh, some security folks, uh, some developers and engineering folks uh, lined up for for guest spots. But we do want to continue the microservices conversation into uh, something a little bit deeper. Maybe the tracing thing is there, but we'll we'll continue this series. Um, other than that, look. Thank you everyone for for listening to us uh, chat about this. We're we're loving the uh, the feedback and the the conversation uh, going on, and we're really happy to uh, to be back into this two week cycle and diving into these topics uh, on a more series type basis. So you can look forward to more of that coming your way. Uh, if you again like what you're hearing, uh, you want to send us some feedback or questions, or you have a topic idea. You can reach us at R2DSO on Twitter. That's R, the number two, DSO, or you can send an email to security at R2DSO.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.